I eat, sleep, and breathe commercial fishing. I absolutely love it, but it is something that you have to get used to in terms of the schedule. And so the schedule is seasonal. Uh, sometimes we have a lot of downtime, and sometimes it's go, go, go. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Bree Dwyer is a story of a fishwife whose life has been transformed by seafood. Having established a successful career in professional photography, she found herself in the remote Alaskan fishing town of Dutch Harbour, immersed in a small, eclectic community for whom life revolves exclusively around seafood. As fate would have it, she met and ultimately married fisherman Sean Dwyer, skipper of the FV Brenna and star of the cult TV series Deadliest Catch. She, along with her husband, eat, sleep and breathe boats and commercial fishing. His family raised him in the seafood industry and she was introduced to it in 2015 when she took a leap and moved to Dutch Harbour and has been hooked ever since. When Brie began her life in Alaska, the landscape and culture resonated with her artistic nature. The gritty lifestyle of a fisherman became an obsession for both her behind the lens and on the water. Brie is part of the next generation of American fisher folk with a passion and commitment to both the environment, the seafood industry and her family. So I'm in Seattle, Washington, uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, kind of in the northwest corner of the United States. So I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is just south of Seattle by a few hours. And I grew up on a river, so I did some sport fishing with my dad when I was a kid, um, but nothing nothing really on the coast. I had done a little bit of crabbing here and there. Fishing is an opportunistic profession where fate can be as much a part of the plan as the plan itself. Sometimes fate, luck and good fortune cross paths to create a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I did not get involved in the fishing industry, commercial fishing anyways, um, until I moved to Alaska in 2015. Um, I actually moved to Dutch Harbor, which is very odd uh, because that's not typically a place that you would move to. But I was kind of on this um, new path to kind of move to somewhere unique, somewhere different. And I ended up taking a bartending job up there. And that's how I was completely immersed into the fishing industry because Dutch Harbor is one of the leading ports in terms of landings for commercial fishing. And so that's how I was uh, introduced to it. And then because during the days I actually didn't have a whole lot going on, I was able to start working on the production side of Deadliest Catch. And then that's how I ended up on boats. But it's kind of ironic because because I get so seasick and I'm married into a fishing family that fishes in the Bering Sea. For an outsider, entering into a multi-generational fishing family can be a daunting prospect. Finding yourself as the partner of a reality TV show star can be intimidating for the strongest of willed. Being both is not for the faint of heart. My husband is Sean Dwyer and he is the captain and owner of the Brenna A. So Sean is a fifth generation fisherman. So uh, his mom's side of the family actually lived, grew up in Alaska. Um, she grew up there with her sisters, and that's how he got into the fishing industry. It was actually his dad who grew up here in Seattle, and he got into the fishing industry through um, basically uh, working with his brother on boats. 
And so um, Sean was kind of raised in the fishing industry and he's been doing it since he was a little kid. The Pacific Northwest of the United States is a fishing region with an almost unrivaled bounty. With five species of salmon, several varieties of whitefish and numerous types of crab and shellfish, the region's bounty is as unique as the location itself. We actually primarily fish up in Alaska. We fish king crab, uh, snow crab, and bear dye or tanner crab. And we fish in the Bering Sea. It's very remote and it's very hard to get to. Um, trying to get planes in and out of there can be really complicated sometimes because Dutch Harbor is the main port. And uh, that is an island in the middle of the Bering Sea, kind of off the Aleutian chain. And so when you're up there, you're pretty isolated. Cell phone service, internet, things like that are really not available. And so as well as the weather can change just like that. I mean, when it comes to storms, especially in the wintertime. We also fish Dungeness crab here in the Puget Sound, which is just out right here in Seattle. And um, we also fish cod up in the Bering Sea, and then we tender salmon in the summer. Seasonality is a dynamic reality in the world of wild catch fishing, but seasons don't necessarily abide to days, weeks, or months, making the fisherman's job a complex and unpredictable occupation when it comes to knowing what you'll be doing next week or next month. We fish kind of year round based upon the species that we're fishing. So king crab typically starts in October and then, uh, you know, depending on how the fishing is, it can last anywhere from two weeks to maybe four or five weeks. And then we also fish uh, cod in January. And then February, we kind of move over to snow crab, which is opelio. And then uh, that can take anywhere from, gosh, two, three months. My husband was actually gone fishing for four months this year for snow crab. That was a really long season for us. And then we have a few months off in the spring, and that's typically when we do shipyard work. Uh, so anything that needs to be fixed on the boats. And then in the summertime, our boats head up to go tender salmon in Alaska. Typically with king crab, it can be anywhere from, you know, a day or so. And then snow crab, which is when we fish in February, um, that one can be way up by the Russian border, um, kind of by St. Matt's area. So you're up kind of right in the ice pack up there. The Dungeness crab is a hard-shelled crustacean fished along the west coast of the United States from the Aleutian Islands to Mexico. But it is in the Puget Sound this unique crab is the most abundant, providing the commercial fishermen a significant and local opportunity. So for me, I actually get really, really seasick, which is really unfortunate for me. I tried to go king crabbing a couple of years ago and I actually had to have my husband turn the boat back around because I was so sick. Um, but I actually fish Dungeness crab here in the Puget Sound and that's where I'm able to be out on the boat. Uh, with my husband. And last year, it was pretty much just the two of us. Every once in a while, we had an extra person to kind of help out, but we uh, fished together and <laughs> that was our first time fishing together. And I think that it went really well for the most part. I did have days where I thought about tossing him overboard, but I didn't. When we're fishing dungies here, basically we have smaller pots compared to the pots that you might fish in the Bering Sea. The pots in the Bering Sea are you know, seven by seven feet and can weigh, you know, 600 pounds. But the pots that we fish here in the Puget Sound are a little bit easier to manage. They're uh, only about 65 to 75 pounds. And we have 
basically whatever is allowed for us to fish with the permit. And sometimes that changes year to year. So like last season, we had 50 pots per permit to be able to fish on our boat. So when we bait the pots, we're using squid and um, clams. Butter clams is what we use. And then we let them sit for about 24 hours. Um, it, <laughs> depending on the crab, Dungeness crab, like, kind of a softer sandier bottom and so you're looking for more flat surfaces and so we when we're out there fishing we're looking for ideal water depths and we're looking for the ideal bottom hardness and then uh when the crab when the pots come up anywhere from i don't know six fathoms up to i think we fished in like you know 40 fathoms or so um then we sort the crab and we here in the United States actually are really proud of our management systems. So we don't keep any of the females and those get thrown back alive and well. And then we actually keep males over uh, six inches. Well, we have tanks and then sometimes if it's a shorter day, sometimes they just go into some tubs on top of or on deck and then uh, we take them in and they get delivered to whoever is going to be buying them that night um, or the processors. And then sometimes, actually with Dungeness Crab, it's a mostly live market. And so they go straight to restaurants here in Seattle. The gooey duck clam is arguably one of the most fascinating clams on the planet. From its unique appearance, its flavor and texture, it is a clam that evokes as much emotion as it does value in the Northwest of the United States. We have, in this part of the world, some of the best gooey ducks in the world. And I didn't know what a gooey duck was until probably a year ago. And after I'd started doing some research, because the, the processor that we work with in terms of delivering our crab to, they also do gooey ducks. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the weirdest sea creature I have ever seen. <laughs> a gooey duck is a very large clam and um i don't know how to describe it without being inappropriate but it's very phallic <laughs> um but when you think of what a clam looks like just imagine it you know kind of 10 times bigger with a very long tongue so i do know that we have great gooey ducks here we have a lot of oyster farming that happens as well as um we have salmon uh, our salmon stocks have kind of changed with the climate change just because uh, the water temperatures have been warming a bit. And so we're seeing less salmon at the moment because they're getting pushed up into the Alaska area. On top of the species that I listed, we also have out in the Pacific, we have uh, cod, all species of cod and rockfish available to us and tuna as well. Fish it gets fished off the Pacific coast. And so I feel so lucky being here and having such easy access as well as the accessibility to the Alaska seafood because really we're the closest state to Alaska as well. And so we get a lot of fresh seafood that gets shipped down from Alaska. Um, and salmon, I mean, the salmon is amazing. I think it's pretty safe to say that we have the best salmon in the world over here. Some say that hunting for fish or a photo share many of the same challenges. Being in the right place at the right time is much a part of planning as it can be luck. 
For a professional operating within both worlds, the shared discipline can be an advantage. I eat, sleep and breathe commercial fishing. I absolutely love it, but it is something that you have to get used to in terms of the schedule. Um, you know, having a Monday through Friday job where you might work at a desk or at an office or something like that, that, that is not at all what we do. And so the schedule is seasonal. Uh, sometimes we have a lot of downtime and sometimes it's go, go, go. And so for me, getting used to having this schedule that you can't always depend on because with fishing, if fishing is slow, my husband will be gone for a lot longer than we expected. So making plans is pretty much not an option for us. And uh, same with the fishing season here. You know, sometimes there are circumstances that cause fishing seasons to start later. And so what we had planned for is going to, you know, take a little bit more time. So the schedule was definitely something to get used to, as well as for the positive side, it really allowed me to hone in on my own career that parallels my husband's because I have this creative side of me that um, I grew up, you know, doing photography and got into it when I was really young. And commercial fishing has really allowed me to explore that on a much more professional level. I had to kind of pick and choose and really communicate with him like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to photograph. And what's nice about the Dungeness fishery is one person, ultimately, if you have the setup for it, which we do, can fish. And so I was able to photograph um, periodically, but when it's fishing time, it's fishing time. And Sean will definitely let me know when it's fishing time. And that means no camera. <laughs> Seattle is known to many as the Emerald City because of its lush evergreen forests. Famously known as the home to the first Starbucks, Seattle is also renowned for grunge music, the Seahawks football team, the Space Needle, Pike Place Fish Market, and headquarters to a lot of the tech industry, including both Amazon and Microsoft. It's a haven for the outdoor types, seeking the best in hiking, kayaking, and general outdoors lifestyle. But there aren't many cities in the US that take seafood eating as seriously as this famously laid back town. In terms of the restaurant scene here in Seattle, it's definitely picked up on the side of more sourcing local regional foods, uh, seafood, as well as the farming. And so I think that in terms of just marketing and getting people to understand how available seafood is to them here, it really starts with the restaurants and the passion that comes from the, the chefs that are working with these products. And what I do as well is I work with trade associations within the industry and we're getting ready to start doing some more projects that really get the product in the hands of these chefs and to be able to, to create more and inspire people to create at home as well. A lot of our seafood gets shipped overseas. So we do have a lot of seafood that goes to China and Japan. Um, live Dungeness crab gets shipped over. It's, 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 definitely sought after over there, as well as the king crab species and the snow crab species. Um, we see a lot of that get shipped overseas, but a lot of it does stay here. And especially the seafood coming from Alaska, it gets shipped all over the country. The Alaska Peninsula provides important habitat for fish and wildlife. 
The native population includes brown bear, moose, caribou, wolf, fox, river otter and beaver. And in the marine world lies some of the largest and most special animals to be found. Operating in this part of the world offers a range of special challenges to the commercial fishermen. Up in Alaska, especially in the summertime, it's just so beautiful and you have whales and bears and bald eagles, um, especially up in the Bering Sea and Dutch Harbor area. I mean, bald eagles are pretty much like pigeons everywhere. And so some people are like, wow, you can get so close to them and you really can. I mean, I had a, I was up photographing one season and I hopped on the boat and when the boats are offloading all of their crab, the birds come in, the eagles, and that's when they start having some snacks. And it's kind of like a all-you-can-eat buffet for them because they snack on the, the cod bait that's sitting out. And they are so busy focused on what they're doing that I was able to get within, I don't know, three or four feet of them. The, the bears come out when the salmon are all headed upstream and... They there's this really amazing uh, national park called Katmai National Park, which is in the Bristol Bay region, and you can only get there by float plane and you get dropped off on the beach. And I mean, you're sitting in the float plane, kind of pulling up to the beach and there's bears right there, a mom and cub. And it's yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, and especially in southeast Alaska, we have lots of bears as well. Uh, you'll be anchored out, you know, waiting for boats to deliver to you and you'll see bears on the shore just kind of you know right in the evening time when they're coming out to fish. In 2017 was my first year working on the boat with Sean. I was a deckhand for our summer tender season. So salmon tendering for us is so we have a larger boat with big tanks and the boats that fish salmon are a lot smaller and so we play this kind of middleman between the fishermen and the processor. So the fishermen on the small boats, they'll deliver their salmon to us, and then we keep it cold in our tanks and deliver it to the processor. So it's kind of like a fish taxi in a sense. And so <laughs> we uh, that's what we do in the summertime with all three of our big boats. They're all about 110 feet. Uh, we actually just had one of our boats pack. It was 460,000 pounds of salmon the other day delivered to the processor. So... Tendering in the summertime, I was up on the bow and we had a boat tied up to us and I was getting ready to untie them. And all of a sudden I heard this sound and it was a humpback whale that had just come up right to the surface right next to me. I was the only person that saw it and I just like froze for a second because I was like, oh my gosh, that whale is literally right underneath me and he kind of like I saw his eyeball just kind of look up at me right before he went back under the water and then his the the fluke came up and he just went right down and I was I felt like I was like oh my gosh did anybody else just see this or was that just for me and it was just kind of one of those wildlife encounters that I wish that I had my camera but it's almost better that I didn't. Being immersed in the world of commercial fishing is as infectious as it is demanding. Being involved in fishing in the remote wilderness of the Pacific Northwest is clearly both life-changing and life-dominating. In terms of how fishing has changed my life, I think that I have done a complete 180 with it because if you had asked me, you know, eight years ago or told me eight years ago that I was going to be 
doing photography and marketing within the commercial fishing industry, I'd be like, okay, you're crazy. I don't even know what extra tough boots are. And now when it comes to brands and products and companies within the industry, it's, I mean, I've met some, so many amazing people in the industry that have really just become some of the best of friends and have just changed my life for the better. I think that uh, fishermen are, and fishermen and women are some of the most generous, kind, caring people who really do care about the oceans and our environment and who are stewards of the resource. And we're on the front lines out there, um, you know, trying to help people understand what it is that we really do. I love that I get to tell the story of the commercial fishing industry in this part of the world. And I love that it connects me with people from all over the world. Um, I have met people, especially through social media and just the connection of commercial fishing, you know, over in the UK, which has been great. And I love learning about other fisheries around the world. But for me, as a photographer in this industry, being able to tell these unique stories that otherwise may not be able to be told because it's it's not the easiest environment to be a photographer and it's not the easy, easiest environment to be creative. And so the fact that I've been able to figure it out and have such amazing access is, I feel so special, I guess, that I get to do this. America has some of the most highly managed commercial fisheries in the world. And for many, this would pose an unmountable challenge. But for the likes of Bree and Sean Dwyer, the future of commercial fishing looks bright. With an infectious enthusiasm and a clear love for the job, the environment and their catch, they are an inspiration to all. Well, I hope that it is around to stay. I mean, I think I said earlier that uh, the United States does a really great job managing our fisheries. And I think that sometimes people don't realize what goes into it and how much work people really put into making sure that our resources in terms of fish and crab and all the different species are sustainable. And so, you know, for example, this year, Bristol Bay had a record breaking 63 or over 64 million fish come up into the the river system. And that's because there's so many people dedicated to management. So we have a baby our first one coming in at the end of this month. And uh, then we actually start fishing Dungeness crab again in October. And so I probably <laughs> won't be on the boat as much as I would like, um, but I know Sean is really anxious to get the baby out there as soon as possible. He's ready to have her be a deckhand. So we, I actually, for Father's Day, got him um, some little baby earmuffs that she could wear and a rain cover because he's set on hauling gear with a you know baby in a backpack <laughs> this is fishtails a seafood podcast a deep in the weeds production i'm john sussman follow us on instagram at fishtails seafood podcast or email us at fishtails podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world, 
every Friday on your podcast app.